That's right, everybody. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and making this your podcast or your live stream of choice. I'm your host, John Greenwald Jr. And today we're talking about a brand new story, or at least as of last week that I wrote, that has received a avalanche of media coverage. Now, what I had reported last week was something that, although may upset some of you, was a very important story as we continue to unfold this saga about learning more on UAP, UFO, whatever acronym you want to use, and how Congress is approaching this topic and will their language in these bills that they've been passing around and then passing in the chamber and so on and so forth, will they help us? And I'm, I'm not so sure if the general public uh, really grasps the importance of a national security denial, because generally you are not going to see Congress or congressional language trump that. Now, I won't get into it in this video, but you've seen in the past where I've talked about how Congress has been very accepting of the quote unquote we can talk more about that in a closed session, which means we're encroaching on territory that's classified. We can't do this in a public hearing. And all the congressmen, as I said in, in the previous video, kind of sit back and go, yeah, all right, no problem. And they don't fight it. But it will be interesting to see how all of this unfolds because it leads into this story and how the appeal, which I'll get into later, can potentially fight it. Now, here's the nutshell version. About two and a half years ago, I went after all other UFO and UAP related videos, videos only, that the U.S. Navy held in their, their holdings. And essentially what I was requesting was every video that holds a designation of unidentified aerial phenomena. What I did was I filed it the day after the Navy released the three videos that we've all seen a million times now in the last uh, four and a half, five years, the FLIR, the Gimbal, and Go Fast. I, I was excited to be the one to bring to you all back in, um, I think it was now 2019, uh, the designator of unidentified aerial phenomena and the Navy admitting that those three videos depicted UAP. That was a huge story back then when I first wrote that. And uh, that as well had received quite a bit of media coverage. So it's nice to see the progression that the media is sticking with this and watching as we all learn more as we go. Now, fast forward to, again, about two and a half years ago. I don't have the exact dates in front of me, but regardless, uh, it's in the article. If you'd like to click on the links, they're all time stamped and so on. Uh, but about two and a half years ago, when they officially released the video, so they'd already said what the designation was, they officially released them. The moment that happens in my world, in my view, in my personal opinion, when that happens, they essentially set a precedent that I can call on to say you have UAP related videos and you've released them. So even though there are likely more, and on top of that, there probably are classified videos that aren't as, as um, I guess, um, low quality as <laughs> the FLIR uh, was, because obviously that didn't show a whole lot of detail. Uh, it was more the story that went along with it. So when as your technology progresses from 2004, 
you're getting clearer images. You can see identifying markings if there are any. So obviously you're encroaching on a much more sensitive piece of material, but there are ways to safeguard the sensitive material and still have a little bit of transparency to go along with it. So when I filed the case, I had said, you guys are now releasing these videos, so there's gotta be more. And that had started a, what I didn't know at the time, would ultimately be roughly a two and a half year journey that re resulted in me having to file numerous FOIA cases. It wasn't just one. And finally, in the end, the Navy said, nope, sorry, we are not releasing any of them because they will, will harm national security. Now, let me go ahead and pull up some visuals here so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. I'll come back to this screen. This is all the media coverage. This is the story that I originally wrote. I dropped it on September 8th. Let me scroll down here. I won't read it to you, but I please welcome you to uh, visit the link in the show notes below. That way you guys can see all the anchor links, all the timestamp articles I wrote prior to this, kind of leading up to this to this story. But I go through all the different cases that I filed. I list all the case numbers for all of you that love to take notes and challenge what I may or may not be saying. Uh, what I do is make sure that you guys have a paper trail to, to, to track as well. But let me go ahead and jump down to the denial letter. Hopefully you can see this good on your screen. Let's see if I can maybe zoom it in a little bit more there. So what they do in this appeal, let me go to the right language. So this is essentially just more boilerplate stuff, you know, that they searched for uh, what I had requested. And it says the UAP task force has responded back to DNS 36 and have stated that the requested videos contain sensitive information pertaining to unidentified aerial phenomena or UAP and are classified and are exempt from disclosure in their entirety under exemption B5 U.S. Uh, code section 552 b1 in accordance with executive order 13526 and the uap security classification guide the release of this information will harm national security as it may provide adversaries valuable information regarding department of defense slash navy operations vulnerabilities and or capabilities no portions of the videos can be segregated for release while three uap videos were released in the past the facts specific to those three videos are unique in that the, those videos were initially released via unofficial channels before official release. Those events were discussed extensively in the public domain. In fact, major news outlets conducted specials on these events. Given the amount of information in the public domain regarding these encounters, it was possible to release the files without further damage to national security. The rest is kind of boilerplate. So I want to kind of drill down on a few things here. So uh, again, to kind of summarize that nutshell part, they said no. <laughs> and they said everything is classified and everything would harm national security if released. So diving a little bit deeper and breaking this down, that last line stuck out to me. Without further damage to national security, as far as we're aware, the videos were deemed as unclassified. I had written a story where I got a statement from the Navy. I even looked back to verify and I go over it in the story, but essentially they were confirming that the videos were 
and are unclassified. And so what they were confirming was there was no sensitivity that resulted in classification. Rather, they were unclassified. Now, one point that I will make is that even though stuff is unclassified, that does not mean that it can be released to the public. Unclassified for official use only is a designator they use. It requires a review to make sure that although something may not be classified, it could still potentially be exempt from release for a multitude of reasons. That's a story for another day, but just know that that, that just doesn't automatically allow it to go out into the open. But harming national security, if information harms national security, that's essentially when you get into classified territory. So how much harm it can do, uh, and there are definitions for this, which are quite fascinating. Maybe I'll go over them in another video, but essentially it breaks down the level of harm, which then essentially defines the level of classification. So going back to this further damage to national security, are they implying that there was damage to national security from the beginning? I have seen no evidence of that in my appeal, which I'll go over uh, in, in, a, in a little bit. I, I break that down even more, so we'll go over it then. Uh, but in short here, there's no there's no sign that there was a damage to national security. Now, whether the, were there concerns over the leaks? Uh, I would say yes. Uh, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations did a investigation into the leaked of the uh, leak of the material and uh, essentially determined they were unclassified and that there was there was no. I guess, reason to continue, you know, I mean, like, what were they going to do? Uh, essentially, the information was unclassified. So there was no classified information that was out in the public. So there was nothing ultimately to do. Arguably, there may have been a concern about the person that leaked them. And I think that that may have been the uh, DISA, D-I-S-A investigation that was referenced by Luis Elizondo that he said he was being interviewed and kind of scrutinized over. So there, there may have been a concern about how the protocols weren't followed correctly and how people with security clearances that are supposed to safeguard information, again, even though these were unclassified, it wound up in the open. How did that happen? Um, and and who was essentially responsible. So there were subsequent investigations, in my opinion, that tie into the uh, AFOSI investigation. But to kind of close that part of it, it was unclassified. There was no classified information in the in the open, and they didn't have a concern beyond that. So what is that further damage to national security? And we don't really know. The other part that I want to quickly mention before we get on to the appeal is that it's an in, in accordance with Executive Order 13526. This is an executive order that kind of essentially defines national security, cla classified information, so on. A lot of legal jargon in there. There's been a, a couple executive orders that kind of get overwritten as new protocols are put into place, signed by the president. Uh, before this, it was Executive Order 12958, if I remember correctly. So they, they do a lot of these kind of revisions and updates uh, to how they handle classified information. But in addition to 13526, it also mentions UAP Security Classification Guide. If you're new to this channel, just know I did a full video breakdown. Ironically, there's no connection to this. About a week prior 
to me writing this story. Now, why is that important? Well, I profiled the security classification guide as proof of, again, my opinion, but what I felt was proof that UAP and UFO secrecy is deepening, not lessening. Everybody thinks that we're in this era of transparency, and even though we hear about UAP and UFOs a lot more, I feel that it is deepening. So I've said that a lot publicly, and people have always asked me, well, what are you talking about? Like, Congress is getting involved, and there's hearings, and so on and so forth. So without, again, doubling that video, please know that I have done a full breakdown of that guide. But why I wanted to bring it up here is to punch the note. That is the authority along with that executive order, but that is the authority which allows the Navy to say, John, through FOIA, you can't access a single video. Nope, done, over with, you're out. Now, I'm appealing, so we'll get to that now, but that authority, they call it the, the authority uh, to classify something, came from that UAP security classification guide. So we are now seeing the repercussions of that guide, of that security that was put in place by that document. And, and in that previous video, I go over some other examples. Well, here is the prime example, the prime example that they won't even release a small portion of the video, a redacted frame, a screen grab, nothing. They 100% classify it due to that guide. So that I think really drives the point home that this is the major roadblock, the problem with today's secrecy and the proof that it's not getting any better. Now, let me go ahead and, and go over a few things on the appeal. I'm reading a little bit more on this channel as some of you guys that have followed me for a while, never a huge fan of reading to you, but I think for the audio version, it's important. But on top of that, I want you to see how I, not that it's right or wrong, but how I approach appeals, especially in cases like this, and what I said to them. If I tried to paraphrase it, I may like completely change the meaning of something and I didn't mean to. So I want to make sure that you guys see how I approached it. But on, on top of that, this is something I don't normally do. I may mention an appeal. If I write a story and I say, you know, I'm appealing the decision, I very rarely, I, I think if ever, have published a full appeal prior to a decision. There's no real reason why. Uh, it's just kind of a quirk of mine. I, I'm a little superstitious, so I don't like jinxing things, like putting it out there going, hey, hey, look what's going to win this appeal. Uh, I don't like doing that. I just like to kind of let it ride. But in this one, with the popularity of the story, and in fact, maybe that's a good segue to this page. This is Google News that shows the mainstream coverage, pretty much every article here, not all, a couple others snuck in, but this is the national security concern over the release of video stories. And quite a few mainstream outlets picked it up. Uh, the Independent, Live Science, uh, some of the other ones here, you've got you know, a lot of the British papers that are always in, on UFO stuff, but they obviously get a lot of traffic to them. Uh, you'll see them like the Sun, the Daily Mail is in there. Salon just wrote a big one. Um, Vice News. Um, I want to take a moment to recognize them. They were the first to write the story. And so they saw what I had written, felt it was newsworthy and, and wrote that. So my my um, 
Special thanks to Vice News, who has covered the Black Vault before, but on this one was first yet again to cover it, see the value of it, cover it, and then all of this other coverage. So the reason why I like to show you guys this is to show that there is a huge public interest to this. It's not just like a hashtag UFO Twitter or uh, some Facebook groups. Rather, this is a major worldwide focal point and concern and interest that people are watching. So it, it is really nice to, to see that. My appeal ended up being four pages long. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I've highlighted some sections. Uh, I, again, invite you to download the whole thing if you're curious about the language. But what I want to kind of go through here is how I approached it and what the government is getting from me. Now, will this automatically get my appeal granted? I don't know. And before I start reading some of these sections, a granted appeal is a big win. I call it a win. However, it does not mean that the Navy then is required to release those videos. What they, what they do, meaning the appellate authority, those that got my letter here at the U.S. Navy and the Department of Defense, it is a, I want to say, higher office, another set of eyes from the Freedom of Information Act personnel that denied me originally. They take a look at this and the case that I put up, which I'm going to go over, and then they make a decision. We grant it or we deny it. If we deny it, pretty obvious. Sorry, John. Uh, you can go seek a judge in a judicial review, which is the third step in a FOIA process, or they grant it. If they grant it, it goes back to that FOIA office for another review. Again, doesn't guarantee that I'll get anything, but generally you're not going to get the same response because you've already got a granted appeal on that original response. So they can't go back and go, oh, we'll just give John the same exact response because then you're in a legal loop. And then I would just appeal again because I once you're granted appeal rights, they are granted back to you. So then you maintain them for then that next response. So hopefully I'm not getting too much in the legal weeds, but for you FOIA people out there who are just experimenting with maybe appeals, that's how that works. So with that granted appeal, I will maintain rights to appeal again, and then we'll see what they give me. Now, here's the reasoning that I came up with, and this is more of an introduction to the breakdown of the reasons, but I want to read this to you. I believe the decision to withhold all responsive records is a gross violation of the true nature of the Freedom of Information Act, along with the public promises made under oath by Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security Ronald Moultrie and Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence slash Director Naval Intelligence Activity Scott Bray. During the UAP hearing held on May 17, 2022, Mr. Moultrie stated, quote, with regard to the importance of transparency, the department is fully committed to the principle of openness and accountability to the American people. This FOIA response and the full denial of all responsive records goes completely against the commitment stated by Mr. Moultrie in the hearing. During that same hearing, Bray stated, quote, what I will commit to is this at least for that material that's under my authority as the Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence for information that we have, when it does not involve sources and methods, and when we can, with a reasonable degree of confidence, determine that it does not pose a foreign intelligence or national security threat, 
and it's within my authority to do so, I commit to declassifying that. This FOIA response and the full denial of all responsive records goes completely against the commitment stated by Mr. Bray at this hearing. So essentially what I'm doing there, if you guys are going to start crafting appeals, is I'm setting up the commitment that the gentleman made at the UAP hearing for transparency and declassification. That if the FOIA offices want to counter that, then they, they kind of have a little bit of a tight road to weave around because we have these public commitments to Congress and the American people. And then the FOIA guys go, ah, sorry, can't have anything. So does it fit into the national security as Bray kind of set up? Maybe, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to set it up with that commitment and then tear down their decision with my breakdown here. Let me go back to reading to you. These are the bullet point lists. This is the bullet point list that I made to show them why I felt their decision was wrong and why I felt the appeal should be granted and at least a portion of the videos released. So let me read. Number one, metadata can be stripped. Likely information within this metadata embedded within each video would contain sensitive information and likely be exempt from release. However, this data can be stripped and removed from the video files, thus removing the need for secrecy when it comes to the information that metadata could reveal. This is a interesting note because obviously the FLIR, the gimbal, and the GoFast were not redacted visually. The metadata was stripped. Once the metadata was stripped, that sensitivity went to nothing and they were released to the general public. HUD or heads up display or HUD information can be redacted as indicated by numerous DOD videos released in the past. Should any videos that are within the responsive records for this case have sensitive information displayed on screen, it can be redacted. Also, as indicated by numerous releases by the DOD of videos containing sensitive inf information, that HUD information being redacted allowed for the public release of the video, along with it being downgraded to an unclassified level. Please reference released videos housed on DIVIDs to see more uh, to see numerous examples of redactions within videos. I didn't list uh, them for the Department of Defense and the Navy because I don't have to. There, it, there's so many of them that have come out where. Uh, the heads up display uh, or, or whatever that information is that they want to call it. If it's burned onto the screen, they can redact it. And, and that has been a practice. Like I found videos from the Iraq war, the first Iraq war where they were releasing videos, but uh, you know, in that uh, old school tech kind of way, uh, finding a way to obscure the information that was burned on screen. So any of that type of information I was using HUD is, is a little bit more generic and broad, but regardless, whatever is burned in data wise from a FLIR video or whatever can be removed. And, and the DOD has numerous examples of that. Number three, a precedent has been set over the course of the past couple of years wherein numerous UAP-related videos were either released officially or leaked but confirmed as real by the Department of Defense. As my FOIA case with the Navy, and I list the, the case number, shows, the FLIR, Gimbal, and GoFast videos were released officially after a review. Although previously leaked, 
that fact does not automatically declassify or mark them at an unclassified slash unrestricted release status. Rather, a review needed to be done, and they were released in full after that security review. This fact shows that once me metadata is removed, UAP videos can absolutely not be a threat to national security if released. The likelihood that those three leaked UAP videos referenced are the only UAP videos in the Navy's holdings that can be released in full, or even just in part, is likely nil. What I'm trying to say is, the FLIR, the Gimbal, and the GoFast, just by chance, are the only ones that they could release in full or in part in their entire holdings. The likelihood of, of that is nil. So that was my point with this, which leads into the next. The Navy has also released other UAP-related videos as they connected to mysterious drone swarms that appeared off the coast of California. Although identified as drones, it is my belief that these videos still hold a UAP designation and would likely be a part, or something similar to this, the responsive records denied in my case. As chronicled here, and that's the Drive article that has profiled this, so shout out to all those guys over there covering this. They've done a great job. The Navy's release of such a video proves yet again that UAP visual imagery, once sensitive metadata is removed, can be released in full. That point is pretty obvious, but just to clarify for those who don't quite understand, objects that, that are like a quadcopter can absolutely hold the label unidentified aerial phenomena. We know this for a fact because one case in particular, I've written about it on theblackvault.com. You don't have to take my word for it, though. If you go to the Freedom of Information Act reading room for the U.S. Navy and you go into their UFO information and UAP information folders, you will find a clear photograph of a quadcopter. Although it was origin unidentified, if I recall, this thing was, was labeled UAP. So that designation, even though we can see, oh, that's a drone or a quadcopter or whatever, not an alien spaceship, uh, that designator can still be there. And so what I was trying to say with this was, look, you guys are releasing this. You have set a precedent. So you can't tell me with my request, sorry, John, you're all done, but they have uh, released other videos like this before. So that was my argument with that point. Next point, during the UAP hearing, Bray revealed numerous UAP-related videos previously unseen by the general public. These videos were later published by Divids and archived here, and I offered the link. This, yet again, proves that UAP-related visuals in the form of videos can, once sensitive metadata is stripped, be released to the public. I would like to state again, that out of the hundreds, and likely by now, well over a thousand cases collected by the U.S. Navy, the likelihood that out of everything collected, these videos referenced above are the only releasable videos is nil. Again, another obvious point. I don't think that every UFO case that they have is going to have a video attached, but what I was trying to say was that the likelihood that they have such a number of them likely and that these are the only ones that can be released, either in full or in part, is likely nil. So I'm just trying to drive those points home. 
In April of 2021, multiple leaks of UAP-related information appeared online, as released by investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. I reached out to the Pentagon, which quickly confirmed that the video and photos published by Mr. Corbell were, quote, taken by Navy personnel. Susan Goff, Pentagon spokesperson, added, quote, the UAPTF has included these incidents in their ongoing examinations. I believe this confirmation of leaked material shows the lack of sensitivity and classification for UAP-related material. I would think, as indicated by the Edward Snowden leaks of classified material, that the DOD would maintain a GLOMAR approach and neither confirm or deny the authenticity very much like the NSA did when the Snowden leaks happened. However, that did not happen. Rather, they confirmed the material as authentic and stated that they were utilizing the material in their investigative efforts. I believe with that said, it shows that a blanket classification laid over all UAP videos is not warranted. As yet again in this example, it is shown that the information is not as sensitive as the U.S. Navy is claiming in my FOIA response letter, which led the way to the responsive records being denied in toto, meaning in total, all of them. So what I'm showing here is even leaked information, stuff that come, came out years after the FLIR gimbal and go fast, much clearer and clearly, in my opinion, would show a kind of a threat to national security where these things are encroaching on naval training exercises, they quickly said, yep, those are taken by Navy personnel. Yep, we have them utilized by the UAP task force. Well, <laughs> that's not very sensitive. And I use the Edward Snowden example as proof of what really is sensitive. And that Glomar response, we can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, I saw that and and saw that used for many many years and in fact with some stuff it is still utilized so they glomar stuff that's already out in the open which seems silly but that's what they do yet with uap stuff it was very quick that confirmation came incredibly quick and for those of you who have followed my work for a while you'll recall i made a deal out of that i was shocked that they were just like within a day i forget how many there was one that was couple hours or within same day or something like that ridiculous so something's fishy about that but regardless that's the precedent set and in an in an appeal what may seem silly to us you know and we banter about on twitter social media whatever the minute they make those actions the minute they do stuff like that on an official level you can use it so that's why i'm using it in my in my appeal here to show why i think they made that wrong decision Almost done here. Although the FOIA release letter signed by Mr. Kaysen, I believe is how you pronounce it, Mr. Kaysen stated the justification for the release of the three leaked UAP videos, and he said that by the Navy doing so, it would be done, quote, without further damage to national security, unquote. I believe this is entirely inaccurate and not a justified statement. I also link to the Air Force Office of Special Investigation file. I reference the file number so they can look it up themselves. And the fact that there was really kind of no damage because there was no sensitive or discernible imagery. Let me go back to reading what the what the uh, appeal said. I believe based on Air Force Office investigation file number so on, as archived here and being released via FOIA, it was determined that there were was no damage given. 
uh, forgive me, I'm, I kind of misworded this, but it was determined that there was no damage given the, oh, there was no damage given the fact that the videos were unclassified and held no sensitive slash discernible imagery. Sorry, forgot a comma there. Um, so essentially that, that statement given to me in the FOIA letter just isn't justified and that was proof. So I reference that investigation file as proof of that. This conclusion by Air Force Office of Special Investigations coincides with a September 9th, 2019 statement by the U.S. Navy as given to the Black Vault by Navy spokesperson Joseph Gratisher. He stated, quote, the three videos were slash are designated as unclassified. This statement was given after being asked what classification the three videos were when originally requested for release, in other words, their original classification, and what they were at the time, meaning at the time that I asked Joseph Gratisher. In both cases, he stated unclassified. I believe these facts beyond a doubt prove that just because videos are designated UAP, this should not put a blanket classification on them. Despite the UAP security classification guide likely giving authority to do so, I believe that 5 U.S. Code Section 552 mandates that a proper review is conducted, and although a blanket classification may be justified on the onset of archiving such a video by the Navy, I believe the FOIA will trump that should no reason to keep the videos classified be presented. With reasons stated through my appeal here, I believe it shows that there are no reasons to keep the videos classified once sensitive information is stripped, blurred, or redacted. And then I go on to sign the letter. Don't worry, everybody always freaks out when I show my address. It's a public address. It's just a private mailbox. Uh, that said, that is the appeal. That's how I did it. That's how I approached it. Forgive the reading, but I wanted to at least have you guys see and hear how I approached it with the Department of Defense. What happens from here? I have no idea. How long it will take? I have no idea. So I will see what happens and I will keep you guys absolutely uh, informed of the process. Now, one thing I really wanna stress to you guys is something that I've seen thrown at me on uh, Twitter and, and social media chatter, uh, but also into the conversation as a whole. And that was based on the letter, the fact that it would, and I'll go to the language here, the release of this information will harm national security as it may provide adversaries valuable information regarding Department of Defense Navy operations, vulnerabilities, and or capabilities. A lot of people, or at least a strong number of them, read that and just automatically said, aha, we're dealing with our own tech. This is black tech, our own capabilities. You guys know me where I nitpick every word and I laugh because you have to. You have to do it in every case. It doesn't matter if it goes to support your theory or if it goes to crush your theory, you have to nitpick. And in this case, I do not agree with the automatic dismissal that this is now black tech, even though I get a lot of heat for bringing up the fact that that's part of the conversation and that it's possible that some of these cases absolutely are our black budget programs, technology that we don't know about yet, that even maybe certain people 
high ranking in the military don't even know yet and are encountering them on training ranges. I think all that's a possibility. But I can't just look at this and go, I told you guys, because I don't think that it just fully supports my uh, approach here. And by breaking down this sentence and nitpicking, I believe it is incredibly broad, even though some people think, well, it's clear as day, John, they're telling you it's their own capabilities. No. Why? Because you break it down word by word. The release of this information will harm national security as it may, not will, but may. So legal jargon is like, eh, maybe, maybe not. That's the way to look at it from a non-legal jargon way. I mean, that's truly what legal verbiage does is that it just leaves it all wide open that it maybe could. So we have to do the blanket denial. So it may provide adversaries, adversaries valuable information regarding Department of Defense Navy operations, vulnerabilities, and or meaning not all of the above, not some, but maybe one, if not two, if not three of the three capabilities. Now, why am I making such a big deal out of that? Well, you have to nitpick that and realize that the true root cause of these UAP cases, and pick your explanation of choice, a balloon, a seagull, uh, I've posted on Twitter, and this is actually true, a turtle uh, can be what's called a range fowler, and then by definition, they're including range fowler reports in UAP cases, so hey, maybe even a turtle uh, underwater, who knows? Uh, but uh, joking aside, pick your explanation all the way to aliens, right? And you have a wide range of causes for potential UAP. This explanation, you can fill in the variable of your choice, and this will make sense. Meaning a vulnerability can be exposed by a balloon. It just can for if it's encroaching onto a training exercise and it makes them divert for whatever reason, then that shows the vulnerability of what they have to do when an object goes into their particular region and they have to adjust and they have to make changes, course corrections, so on and so forth. That That's a vulnerability. Or drones. Lots of people like to say, well, UAP are just the advanced drones of the world. And they're able to encroach on naval training exercises. That's a vulnerability as well. But also capturing those drones on camera shows our capability. So obviously that is something that is exposed as well if they were to release everything. What about aliens? People love that theory too. Now I'm not here to argue that it's alien, but let's just say that it is a extraterrestrial craft of some kind. Could that expose our capabilities to track or to not track such advanced technology? Absolutely. Could it expose our vulnerability wherein they are able to come in? Why could they come in? Because we have no certain defenses when they come in at a certain angle or a certain altitude or a certain altitude way above. There are so many explanations on how it can maybe expose our vulnerabilities, our capabilities, or operations. So whatever variable you want, and I'm not here to tell you which one to choose. I, personally, I think 
I'm undecided, but everything is on the table of what I just went over. And I think it's a mix of, of everything with aliens being that big kind of question mark. Does it go that far? But let's say again, for this little thought exercise, if it did every variable from a balloon seagull or turtle to an alien spaceship from Zeta Reticuli, it will fit into that statement as the potential cause maybe and or <laughs> the cause to expose to our adversaries our operations our vulnerabilities and our capabilities so i respectfully disagree to all of those who say this letter proves that it's all black tech because i hope my little thought exercise there proves that it does not matter the root cause of uap it could be any one of those things this will apply in the broad scope that it was written and that for me is why you nitpick and you take try to you take your personal bias out of it you stop looking for support of your statement you stop looking to tear other people down you just look for what it says and that's what this says so those who are arguing about this is black tech now based on this i think it's a lost cause because it just isn't proven based on that breakdown but I'm always interested in your thoughts, especially if you disagree with me. Not a problem. Just keep it respectful. That's all I ask. Lots of voices come into these channels. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you for doing that. A thumbs up is absolutely the biggest help that you can do. Make sure that you're subscribed to the channel. And of course, turn the notifications on. But if you want to voice your opinion or disagreement with my own, put that in the comments below always a big help share the videos is one of the biggest helps that you can uh, give me and in those comments uh, make sure you tell everybody what you think and how you disagree but again please keep respectful if you're watching on the audio or excuse me if you're listening on the audio podcast version or don't know that i have one a lot of these presentations not all but a lot on youtube dropped or get dropped to an audio podcast form. It's pretty much on any podcast aggregator from Spotify, um, iTunes, whatever you listen to under the Black Vault Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the feeds there as well. And if you can, take a few seconds, please give this show a rating. It's a huge help. I won't tell you what to put. But as you know, I aim for five stars. That's always my aim. Uh, but please be honest in the review, but just add one if you could, because I really do appreciate it. Other than that, there are other ways to support the Black Vault should you decide to do so. Those links are also below or in the show notes. You can go to www.theblackvault.com slash live to go to the YouTube channel or theblackvault.com. There's a podcast link at the top. And lastly, I have to put in there, I've got all sorts of social media, depending upon what you use. I know a lot of you here on YouTube, if you're watching, you don't even use social media, it always surprises me, but just know that uh, by popular request, it sounds like it's being um, revived a little bit. Parlor, uh, I've decided to rejoin that. A lot of you were asking me, was I gonna go over there? They've changed a lot. I know that there was uh, some controversy there in the beginning a few years back, but it seems like they've changed a lot, tried to rescope their their angle and stuff. So I've decided to rejoin over there. Make sure you join me on Parlor. link below. Also on Twitter, Facebook, most active probably on Twitter, just simply because that is the easiest way to blast out uh, the messages to kind of keep you guys updated. And for those who do follow me on social media, 
you found out about this story already. So there are there are values to uh, connecting with me on there. And if you don't use social media, all the more power to you. You guys are awesome because uh, sometimes it can get toxic out there. Uh, may come as a shock to some of you. But yes, it's pretty awful in some corners of the discussion. So keep it clean on this channel, especially in those comments, but post them. Really big help. This is John Greenwald Jr. signing off, and I'll see you next time.